0: Uh, thank you for being with us this morning. It really is a joy uh, to see each of you, just to be before you and and to speak to you. We're beginning a new series this morning. Um, we preached through 1 Peter uh, over the last few months, and we took a break in Palm Sunday and Easter. And now we're going to take some time, I think five weeks, and look at the story of Jonah. Now, you've probably, whether, uh, whether you've whatever you feel about the Word of God, or uh, if you're uh, a Christian or not, you've probably encountered this story. Uh, The first time I came across it was when I was a little child. It was in somebody's backyard in Vacation Bible School. I still remember the deft hand of my friend's mother working the flannel graph. Y'all remember those days? And then, of course, when I was in college, that was a secular academic institution, we studied it as a part of a religious studies class. In fact, a, a well-known intellectual, just a, a, not a Christian, just published a series of lectures on Jonah. And so the point is is that uh, this, is, this is a story that holds a lot of interest for all kinds of different people. It kind of captures the imagination and uh, provokes our minds from, the ch- from a child to adults, from the imaginative wonder to the erudite. It's something that a lot of different people all find uh, a lot of interest in. And uh, most agree that it's a literary wonder. I mean, when you read this, you're going to see, just be prepared for this. There, there are ways the author gives certain words and reuses certain words and phrases kind of throughout the story. We're going to do a little work on that uh, this morning. But just just be ready for that, because that's, that's coming. Uh, but the real challenge with preaching uh, or studying Jonah is locating exactly what this book is actually about. Because the truth is, it's about a lot of things. Is it about missions and the charge that we share to bring the truth of God's mercy to the world? Well, yes, of, of course, it is absolutely about that. Uh, is it about God's sovereign power and how he's at work visibly and invisibly at all times and in all kinds of ways? Well, yes, it, it absolutely is about that too. Is it about the ministry vocation? Um, yes, one of my uh, favorite pastors wrote a book about how this book of Jonah shaped his understanding of his own call in ministry. Yes, it certainly is about that, and it's about many, many more things. But I think the reason I want to take a look at this book with you is that um, we see in Jonah uh, some of the strange mercies of God coming in all kinds of unexpected ways. Uh, Mercy that comes through a fish. Mercy directed at a city. Mercy given to a wayward prophet. Mercy that came through the giving of a plant and the taking it away. And this morning, what we'll look at is mercy, the mercy of God coming through a call and through a storm. Let's look together. This is Jonah chapter 1. I'm going to read the first six verses. Hear the word of the Lord. Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh But the Lord hurled a great wind upon the sea, and there was a mighty tempest on the sea so that the ship threatened to break up. And then the mariners were afraid, and each cried out to his God, and they hurled the cargo that was in the ship into the sea to lighten it for them. But Jonah had gone down into the inner part of the ship and had lain down and was fast asleep. So the captain came and said to him, what do you mean, you sleeper? Arise, call out to your God. Perhaps the God will give a thought to us that we may not perish. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. We pray. O oh, Heavenly Father, uh, Jesus, our Savior, Holy Spirit, our Comforter, and our Helper, I pray that you would be at work right now. Uh, across this room, as you have been this, already this morning, I pray that you would help us. As we arrange our lives under your word, as we hear from you, I pray that you, Holy Spirit, would be about the work of instructing hearts, that you would give me helpful and loving uh, words for your people, and that, uh, that you would strengthen me for this work, and strengthen us all for the hearing of it. I pray in these things, in Jesus' name, amen. So nothing exposes you like moving into unfamiliar places. Uh, I know Matt used an illustration from this show. I did some time ago from the show alone, uh, but I got to tell you, that show is the gift that just keeps giving, y'all. Uh, if you're not familiar with it, it's, a, it's a really a survivalist contest where a bunch of contestants are dropped into the middle of nowhere. They're put into an unfamiliar place, and they're left there to survive, and their whole goal is to outlast all the other contestants, and, uh, and they know very little about this place that they're put into, and whenever I've talked about this show with other people, uh, I often get asked the question, like, would you ever consider doing something like this, and the answer to that question is a, um, is a quick and unequivocal no, and the reason for that is because these people are capable and impressive in ways that most normal people are not, okay? They're like, they're all formidable. Uh, many of them have military training. Many of them are homesteaders. They, they know what it looks like to look at the outdoors in a different way and see food sources and shelter opportunities and, and, uh, and, and build things in order to protect themselves over the course of a long of a long time and there's just like this mental toughness and reserve that they all have but but what's always interesting to me and I love this is at the early part of the season i kind of introduce you to these characters and then they show you the reaction of these contestants as soon as they're dropped into this new location and it's like you're watching every Every bit of their inner self kind of bubble up to the surface. Their fears, their anxieties, their hopes, uh, all are coming forward. And you see it when they like first hear the sound of a big predator that's got to be close or they see the tracks or they hear nothing at all. And it's just so silent, and they're reminded of just how alone they will be for a long period of time. Nothing exposes you, like being in an unfamiliar place. My favorite my favorite uh, moment, I think, in the show was when uh, one guy, he was dropped in there, and I think he just spent a few hours. Like, he walked in, he got dropped off, I think it was a helicopter, dropped him off. He walks into the woods, and he says... I'm really not feeling these woods. And he walks out and he calls back home to get picked up and he's done. Because nothing exposes you like being in an unfamiliar place. I say all that because there's something similar going on here in the story of Jonah. That God puts a call on Jonah's life to go to an unfamiliar place amongst an unfamiliar people. And what happens? Jonah gets exposed. And we see something in the heart of Jonah and how he responds. And I I would just say that in this, even though Jonah runs, God is demonstrating his mercy in all kinds of profound ways. And I'm going to talk about it in two different ways. I'm going to talk about his pursuing mercy and his persevering mercy. Mercy is pursuing and is persevering. First, his pursuing mercy. Uh, for this point, I really want to spend some time looking at this call that God uh, that God gives to Jonah. You'll find it in verse two. He says, "Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it, for their evil has come up before me." Uh, that, to me, this you know one of the ways we can look at this is that it's an example of God's pursuing mercy that He's pursuing a people by sending them a prophet and this mercy is ambitious uh, in order to understand this i think we it, it's helpful to know something about the city of nineveh in the eighth century um, in case you haven't you're not read up on the assyrian empire <laughs> uh, it's set the city of nineveh is set of the geographic center of the Assyrian Empire, uh, I think today, modern-day Iraq, it sits opposite the city of. I don't know is, is it Mosul. Uh, it's, it's like that's general, northern Iraq is generally where it was, and at this time they were known as the bitter enemies of God, and of course God's people. In fact, they sought to eliminate God, and they were looking to eliminate God's people. They were often in conflict with each other, and uh, this conflict often included violence. And if you ever wonder, if you want a picture of what the city of Nineveh looked like, just flip forward in your Bible a few pages to the prophet Nahum, and Nineveh was a dark place. In fact, one of the, uh, one of the uh, commentators I read called the Assyrian Empire an example of a terrorist state and just named a lot of examples of brutality there. And so this is an ambitious mercy of God, because instead of just eliminating them as God's enemies, what he does is he sends them a prophet in order that they would understand his mercy. Well, why do I say that? Because right away, what we see in God is that he is recognizing their value, or he sees the value of these people in that city. He's concerned for them says, go to Nineveh, that great city. And when we read that, we think, well, that probably is a reference to uh, like their, their, their population. It was a big city, or its size, or maybe the location of power. But, but this is one of those words that's used many times in the book of Jonah to indicate things that are important to God. That like there they're, they're, they're are meaningful people to him. The, the very last verse of this book, you'll see that should I not be God says, should I not be concerned about that great city and the many cattle? He's saying he's indicating things that are valuable to him. And so, as he directs Jonah to go to them, he's directing his call of mercy to people that are important to him. His his mercy recognizes value, but then finally, his his mercy recognizes danger. There's danger behind this and what does he tell Jonah to do he says call out against it for their evil has come up before me now that that word evil is another one of those important words in this book it's used nine times most of you have it as evil in your translation some translations uh have it as sin both of those would work but the, the the word there has really two meanings uh, the first is the meaning of sin, and uh, sin sin is uh, if you 're not familiar if you 're not a christian, maybe you don 't know what the word sin means. Um, sin is rejecting god 's will and replacing it with our with our own that 's what that 's what it is it 's rejecting god 's will and replacing it with our own and we 're going to see an example of that like in short order there 's this object lesson. God's concerned about the the sin of Nineveh, and yet Jonah is the one that does exactly what God is concerned about. It's really interesting. Um, The second meaning is disaster. It's a word that portends the coming of disaster. What God is saying is that he sees how their continuing ways, their habits of sin, um, are bringing disaster upon themselves, and that he sees it. It has come up before me. And so God recognizes in ways that they don't see how their opposition to him and the ways that manifest in their lives are actually the pathways of danger. And he names it for what it is. And I'll lay all that out for you because I think it's important to see the order of this call to mercy. That God is pursuing in mercy. And the first thing he does is he looks toward enemies. He sees value in them. <laughs> And then he proclaimed, he named, he, he, he comes to them with a concern for their future well-being. And the call given to Jonah, and, and it's the one that we have to consider for ourselves as we look at this, is the willingness to join in this call to pursue mercy, to pursue with mercy. But what does Jonah do? Well, he not do that. We don't know a ton about Jonah. There are a few verses in 1 Kings that refer to him. He's named as one of the prophets of the northern kingdom. Uh, so he's, he's known as a prophet. There were several at the time, but he's known as, as a prophet in the northern kingdom. And I heard one guy say that the, like the limited understanding we have of Jonah is probably for his benefit because he seems not awesome <laughs> in this story. But the Bible is really consistent about this. There's there's this pattern that where God's people fail, God seems to be demonstrating his heart in really profound ways. That in the places where we are weak or reluctant or recalcitrant, the beauty of God's character seems to be revealed even more clearly. And it's in Jonah's flight that we see God demonstrate what I want to call persistent mercy. Mercy. That God is persisting with Jonah when he didn't have to. Uh, we know where Jonah is running to. The author says, um, names the city he's going to, Tarshish. That's a hard word to say in front of people. Uh, but he names the city Tarshish three times Um, But perhaps as important as where he is going to is what he is running from. Uh, Look at verse 3. Jonah rose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. From the presence of the Lord. And then again, two sentences later. He paid the fare and went down into it to go with them to Tarshish. Away from the presence of the Lord. And there's something in Jonah that is so opposed to this extension of God's mercy, so averse, so repulsed by it, that he didn't just want to escape his call. He wanted to escape the presence of the Lord himself. And what's particularly interesting to me about this is that Jonah doesn't say a word when he makes this decision. There are several examples of prophets that don't want to do what God has called them to do. And arguing back and forth with God, or even reluctantly engaging. Moses is famous for going back and forth. Well, he's famous for a lot of things, but one of the things that he's famous for is that he would he would debate, what, he would argue with the Lord. He'd be mad at God, or he would be mad at God's people, or both, and he would go back and forth. There's a fight or flight situation, and instead of fighting... What Jonah does is he flies. And he doesn't say a word when he does that. Look, this is silent withdrawal. How often do we see things like this? This kind of silent withdrawal. Jonah doesn't like it. We get that. And we kind of recognize all all the reasons that he wouldn't. But listen, how often do we as people practice a kind of silent withdrawal? Um, forgive me for this, but men, I want to just say we are great at that. Like we, we can be particularly given over to, we could be frustrated or feel helpless or angry and we can just remove ourselves. And I'll just share with you from personal experience that some of the most hurtful things I've ever done. To myself or to the people I love, I did without saying a word. Just just silently withdrawing. And there's a little hint here behind the gravity of what Jonah is doing. It says he went down to Joppa. There's another important word, this verb, went down. Went down to Joppa. He was fleeing. He went down into the ship. Once again, he was in the ship. He went down into the part of it that's getting repeated over and over and over again. It's important. Uh, This verb is a euphemism that's used several places in the Bible to describe death, to describe what happens in death. And so the point the author is making here is clear is that when when, when Jesus, when Jonah is fleeing the presence of the Lord, he is fleeing life itself. And this is where we see God's persistent mercy because what does he do? He, he throws a storm in Jonah's way. And I would argue that this storm is actually a form of God's mercy. Not all storms are. But this storm is a form of God's mercy because what is he doing? He, the worst thing that God could have done for Jonah is to just let him go. Off he goes to Tarshish, to the other side of the Mediterranean, never to be seen or heard from again. God had just let him go. And surely God had options. He had other people he could have tapped on the shoulder and put this call upon. But no, he is, he is insisting or persisting in Jonah for some reason. Uh, sh- and uh, we will see this throughout the text. That the same mercy that he intended for Nineveh, he is now aiming at Jonah. Why? Because uh, God is calling Jonah to understand mercy, the mercy of God, as God defines it, and not the way around. And this is important, because to know the compassionate heart of God is to know his mercy. And it's to understand it as he demonstrates it and explains it and provides it to us. That we engage God and his mission to the world on his terms and not our own. Funny thing happened this week. Three of you, I don't know if all three of you are in the room right now, but three of you emailed me the same article, okay? That's always fun when that happens. Uh, It was a fun article, I'm glad you did. It was a fun article from al.com. Uh, published earlier this week. And I think many of you said, okay, this guy likes rivers, so he's going to enjoy it. Like you weren't making a point. You were just, and I'm glad you did. It was a fun article written by a guy named Joe. I think it's Joe Goodman. Yeah, Joe Goodman. Some of you have probably read him before. And he's just telling the story about how he uh, on, spent his Easter at, uh, afternoon after church um, uh, canoeing on the Cahaba River. And, uh, and the whole article was about how insane that is, uh, getting on the river without the right equipment or experience uh, after it had been bloated with all the rain that we had recently. And so he tells like funny story after funny story of what happened. Uh, he says that there were, of the six of them that got on the river, four of them swam, uh, boats sank. <laughs> Uh, there was one rapid that he named actually, he called it Satan's washboard. That's what he named it because he said, imagine a spoon coming across a washboard, uh, to a folksy tune. He said, that was me. I was the spoon going right through the rapid. He he's okay. He did lose. He wrote an article, uh, But he did lose his wedding ring. He joined that austere club of uh, of people that have lost their wedding ring in a river. Welcome, Joe. (laughs) But the point that he was making from the beginning of that article to the end was that when you attach yourself to something so powerful that you engage it on its terms and not on our own, And the challenge, the humbling lesson that Jonah is given here is that as he is attached to God, that God will continue to teach him on his own terms what it means to be in relationship to him. It is so telling to me that the book of Jonah, the story about a revival that comes to a city is so much more about God's dealing with Jonah than it is about God's dealings with Nineveh. That God is at work teaching something important to Jonah that he doesn't yet understand. And Jonah isn't so much, I don't think, reluctant to go to an unfamiliar place or an unfamiliar people. He is reluctant to see God's mercy extending in unfamiliar places outside the people of God. And so what we learn here is that Jonah is as much in need of God's mercy as anyone else. And God insists that he will learn about God's mercy as he participates in sharing it. Why is that? Why is that? Because the, the giving and receiving of mercy is, is a heart issue. It's right here. And it's very hard to be generous and giving mercy if we have a limited view of how much we've been given and how much we enjoy it. And one of the things I want you to see here is that the heart of God that's completely given over to the good of his enemies is also the heart of God that's given over to you. And Paul gets at this at Romans 5. He says, while we were still enemies, God sent, while we were, hear that, while we were still enemies, God sent his son in order that we would be reconciled to him. This is a robust truth of God's mercy that sits like an umbrella over our whole lives, over everything that you've done and over everything that you've thought and everything that you are hiding or exists as a secret. Nothing is exempt From the robust expanse of God's mercy that pursues and persists in his people. And we will know, just as mercy is how we become reconciled to God, we will know just how much we cherish this mercy by how stingy or generous we are with it. That how quick we are to forgive, to to, to receive mercy how quick we are to repent. And how we treat those we have no desire to love. That is a major challenge as we go through this book. They're all shaped by the mercy of love that was first given to you. Just like Jonah. That one of the ways we learn about the expansive mercy given to us. Is in how we participate in its spread. And that can be hard. It comes with a cost. There's no doubt about that. The work of forgiveness is hard. Uh, the work of forgiveness can f- feel so often like the, the, the bearing a wound that was intended for somebody else. And there's nobody who understood that better than Jesus. Because the night when he was betrayed, he looked in a cup. And this cup, this cup was the metaphor For God's wrath directed at all human evil. It was the distillation of the desolation of our evil ways and the punishment that we deserve. And if any one of us receives God's mercy, uh, it is because Jesus endured the agony of drinking from that cup all the way to the bottom. And there's no other way to put it. That when Jesus looked, he looked at the contents of that cup, he staggered. And he said, Father, all things are possible for you. Please remove this cup from me. And then he said the words that Jonah didn't say. He said, yet, yet not what I will, but what you will. in the life we're given, the mercy we enjoy is because when Jesus was sent into enemy territory, he came. And when he came, he showed God's compassion to all who were his enemies. And when it came time to secure God's mercy for all who follow him, he drank the contents of that cup so that we don't have to. And there was a time when Jesus said, one who is greater than Jonah is here. And the only reason the hope of God's mercy sits upon us is because Jesus succeeded in the same place that Jonah failed. and the same mercy that pursues the people of Nineveh, that persists in the person of Jonah is the same mercy that was secured for you. Amen. Thanks be to God. Let me pray. A God of all mercy, the one who planned mercy, the one who is generous in mercy, the one who secures us in mercy, The one who pronounces mercy, O God of all mercy, I pray that you would help us to receive mercy humbly, to enjoy it, to trust it, and to be generous with it. Teach us these things, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen.